In this series, we've been discussing the spiritual significance of the holidays, of the Yom Tovim. And we've discussed the spiritual significance of the holiday of Pesach, the holiday of Passover in particular. Up until now, we explained the spiritual significance of Yitzhiyah Snitzrayim. What does it mean, Exodus, from Egypt, in a spiritual sense? the significance of chametz, the unleavened bread. Why is it that we're not allowed to eat unleavened bread during the holiday of Pesach? And the significance of matzah, the mitzvah, the precept, that is the most major precept during this time, is to eat matzah. What is the significance of this matzah, and what does it contribute to us spiritually? In today's lesson, we'll be discussing... One of the things which is considered one of the greatest miracles that took place during that time when the Jews went out of Egypt. Going out of Egypt itself was the miracle. Then there were miracles that preceded their going out of Egypt, the ten plagues, and even miracles that preceded the ten plagues. But one of the miracles in this whole event, which is singled out as an extraordinary miracle, is a miracle of Kriyas Yamsuf, the splitting of the Red Sea. That when the Jewish people actually left Egypt, the Egyptians changed their mind, they had a change of heart, and they began to chase after them. And they reached them as they were by the Red Sea. And here the Jews found themselves trapped, the Egyptians behind them, and the Red Sea in front of them. And at this point, God performed the miracle that the Red Sea split, and the Jewish people went through the water. It turned into dry land. They went right through it. And when the Egyptians went into the area, all the water came back and they were drowned. And like I said before, this is considered a miracle which is singled out between all the miracles that happened in the time of Mitzrayim. In fact, the seventh day of the holiday, which is called Shvi Shal Pesach, is a holiday that we celebrate just as the first days of the holidays. As you know, that Pesach is set up in a way that the first two days are holidays where you're not allowed to do work, and just like any other holiday. Then there are a few days in the middle which are called Chol HaMoyed, which means it's part of Passover, but nevertheless, you're allowed to do work, and in many ways, it's like an ordinary weekday. Then the seventh day is once again a holiday. What is it on the seventh day that this day is once again a holiday because that's the day that the miracle of Kriyas Yamsov, the splitting of the sea, took place. It is necessary to understand what is the significance of this miracle. When the Jewish people came to the sea and they were trapped between the sea and the Egyptians, God could have saved them in many different ways. He could have had them flown over the water. He could have had the Egyptians killed before they reached them. Naturally, there are many ways that this could have happened. Why did Hashem choose specifically this method of saving them by splitting the sea? And we see that the Jewish people sang a special song, which is called the Shira. Special song of praise to God that He performed this miracle. And this song became part of the Torah. And this song is something which we repeat every single day in our prayers when we remind ourselves of the story of our exodus 
The whole song, Az Yashir, is repeated again. All this seems to indicate that the splitting of the sea wasn't only a method to save the Jews, but had a purpose of its own. The splitting of the sea in itself accomplished something spiritually. In fact, it says in the Medrash, based on the words in that song of Az Yashir, it says, Zeh Keli Van Vehu, This is my God, and I will glorify Him. And the Medrash says, what does it mean when it says, this is my God? The only time that one can use the word there, this is, is when you can point your finger at something and it's actually visible. So therefore the Medrash says that when the Jewish people went out of Egypt and the sea split during that time, God revealed himself to the Jewish people and every man, woman, and child, even infants, were able to point their fingers and say, here is God, we can see God. And the way the Medrash expresses it is that what a little... What a child, what a, what a maid was able to see during the, the prophecy that she saw during the splitting of the sea was greater than the greatest prophecies that were revealed to the greatest prophets in the future. What is the connection that during this time that the sea was split in order to save them, there was this great revelation and all the Jews became prophets and they saw God clearly. How does this come together with, with the saving them from the Egyptians? And all this seems to be pointing very clearly to the same thing, that when the sea split, it wasn't only to save them, but this in itself was a part of a process that they had to go through as being part of the, one of the stages of Yitzhak Mitzrayim, one of the stages of Exodus from Egypt. Another thing which makes this even stronger and more clear to us is the fact that when we look in the Tanakh, we look in the prophets, where they prophesize what will be when Mashiach will come, when the redemption will take place from our present Golas, when we'll go out of the present exile. It says in the prophecies that that God will stretch out His arm on the water, and the water will split in seven paths, and the Jewish people will go through this water on the way to Eretz Yisrael, on the way to Israel. In other words, it says clearly that when this, this redemption will take place, this exodus will take place, once again the sea will be split and will go to Israel through the water. So we see clearly that there's some connection between the splitting of the sea and the process of redemption. What is that connection? The answer to this is, as explained in Hasidus and in mysticism, that it, everything which exists on this world, on this level, in this realm, the physical realm, exists in the spiritual realm. In fact, anything in the physical world evolves from its original state the way it existed in the spiritual realm. As this was explained at length in all the previous lessons. So just like on this level and in this realm, this planet is divided into two parts, which is water and dry land, the same thing in the spiritual realm. There's a part in the spiritual realm which is called Yam, which means water. And there's a part of the spiritual realm which is Yabasha, which is dry land. What is the difference? The difference is, just like on the physical level, it says that everything that you find in the dry land, you can actually find in the water. There are plants in the water. There are animals in the water. But the difference is that in the water, everything is concealed and covered up. 
those things that exist on dry land are exposed. You can see them. So the same thing in the spiritual realm. There are actually two worlds in the spiritual realm. One is called Alma Kasya, a concealed world. And the other is called Alma Galya, which means a revealed world. There's a concealed dimension and a revealed dimension in the spiritual realm. And from these two dimensions in the spiritual realm, that is the source and the origin, and that's where this evolves from, that in the physical realm we have Yam and Yabasha, dry land and water. What is the hidden world, the concealed world, and the revealed world in the spiritual realm? So it says the following. The different worlds that exist... In fact, we explained in one of the previous lessons at length that there are four spiritual worlds. And each world is higher than the other spiritually. In fact, just like the physical world is so distant from the spiritual realm, that's how distant each spiritual realm is from the higher spiritual world. And altogether we have these four different levels. The godliness that's revealed in the higher spiritual world is much, much higher than the godliness that's revealed in the lower spiritual world. So because of that, there's a problem. Being that the lower spiritual world evolves from the higher, and it's receiving its life force, and it's receiving its light from the higher spiritual world, being that the higher spiritual world is so much greater and so much more spiritual, then the lower world cannot contain what it's receiving from the higher. It's too much for it. We find a story in the Gemara, in the Talmud, that there were four people, means four people, they were all Torah giants, and they decided to go and explore a level of spirituality which is higher than what they can really contain. And the Medrash says that Rabbi Kiva, he was the one that he went into this experience and he came out of it untouched. But the other three were all affected by it in, in a terrible way. One of them died. One of them went mad. He lost his mind. And the third one, his mind was affected in the sense that he stopped believing in Torah and violated Torah from that point on. Lived a different lifestyle completely. Why did this happen? Because they were exposed to something in godliness which was beyond their capacity. And therefore, it's like taking something and putting pressure into it which it can't contain. It'll just burst. It'll break. And that's what happened here. One of them died. One went mad. One lost his mind and belief in God. Which means that they couldn't contain that which was revealed to them. You find something similar to this where it says that Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses died in a way that he was kissed by God. That's what it says in the Medrash. And in Hasidus, in the mysticism, explains what does it mean that God kissed him and that's how he died. And the answer is that when a parent kisses a child, what does this mean? It means there's a certain level of love that can be expressed through words. But when there's a, a love that surfaces, which is beyond words, then the only way to express that love is by kissing the child. In other words, 
when Hashem kissed Moshe Rabbeinu, what does that mean? That he revealed himself in a way which was beyond words, beyond limitations. Something which was beyond the limits of Moshe Rabbeinu. And that's how he passed away. In other words, when his time came to leave this world, how did it happen? God revealed himself to Moshe, exposed himself to Moshe on a level that he couldn't contain it, and then his soul left his body. So therefore, we see that Godliness that's revealed in the world has to be revealed in a measure that the one who receives it can contain it. So therefore, our physical world, which evolved from a higher spiritual world, that means that our physical world received its energy and its light of Godliness from the higher spiritual world. How can this possibly take place? The spirituality and the godly energy and the godly light in the higher level is so much greater than what we can contain. So that would be revealed to us that our world couldn't exist. So therefore there's a concept called Timsum. Timsum means contraction. It's something which we'll discuss in the future at length. But it means that this godly light and this godly energy has to be concealed in order for it to be transmitted to the lower level. Because if this light would be revealed in its full glory, in its full strength, in its full intensity, would be impossible for our world to exist. So there is something in the spiritual realm which blocks the light and filters it through and doesn't allow all the, the, the brightness of this spiritual light to come through. Otherwise, our world couldn't exist. In fact, it says in Kabbalah that it's a concept of a masach, which means it's like a curtain that blocks the light. Just like in a physical sense, if there's a room that is full of light, and you don't want that light to reach the next room, then you put up a curtain, and that curtain blocks the light that it shouldn't go through. So in the same way, there's a curtain, so to speak, allegorically speaking, in the spiritual world that blocks the light of the higher world that it shouldn't come through to the lower world because otherwise the lower world couldn't exist. And just like this exists, this curtain that blocks the light is there between our physical world and the higher spiritual world, this curtain also exists on all levels. In other words, the highest of the spiritual world, there are four altogether. So the highest of the spiritual world, that also transmits its light and energy and godliness is revealed to the next world. How can that happen? The low world can't contain what the high world has to give. And the answer is, once again, there's this block, there's this curtain, so to speak, that blocks the light from the higher world that it can reach the low world. And then the low world has to have its curtain that blocks the light from its world so it's reached the next level. And that's how it is from one world to the next. So in every world, in every world of the spiritual realm, there is a level which in Hasidus is described as Malchus, the aspect of Malchus, which is the tenth of the ten aspects that exist in each world. And its function is to block the light, to conceal the light, in order for it to be received in the next following world. In fact, this is the reason why in the temple, in the Beis HaMikdash, there was a curtain that separated between the Holy of Holies and the rest of the temple. Being that the temple was structured in a way that it was similar and parallel to the spiritual realm. It was actually a manifestation of the spiritual realm. So just like in the spiritual realm, there is this curtain, this spiritual curtain, that separates from the higher to the lower, 
in order for the light to come through in a limited way, to in the temple, in the base of Migdash, there was a curtain that separated between the Holy of Holies, which is the holiest place in the temple, and the rest of the temple for the same purpose. That was the physical manifestation of this spiritual curtain, which its purpose was blocking the light that it should be able to reach the rest of the world, but in a limited way that the rest of the world can receive it. In fact, this is the source that we find in a shul, the Aron Kodesh, in the Ark. In every shul there's a parechas. There's a curtain that is there, which is to commemorate the curtain that was there in the temple, separating between the Holy of Holies and the rest of the temple. This curtain, this aspect of Malchus, which blocks and conceals the light, this is called the concealed world. And the light beyond that, that's not being blocked, the light that's above that, that's the revealed world. So from these two aspects in the spiritual realm, that's the origin, this is where it evolved from, and that in the physical world we have Yam and Yabasha, dry land and water. When the Jewish people went out of Egypt, what happened was that this blockage, this curtain that was blocking the light, that godliness can be revealed in this world in a very limited way, that opened up. Which means that more godliness that normally can be contained was revealed. As we'll soon explain the reason for this. So being that this happened in the spiritual realm, and as a result of that, in the physical realm, the water split. Because the water is the physical manifestation of this hidden world. And therefore reflects everything that goes on there. Why did this have to happen? And the answer is because when they went out of Egypt, the ultimate purpose was to receive the Torah. Going out of Egypt was only a preparation. But the ultimate purpose was to receive the Torah. In other words... There were two parts to the process. One part of the process was detaching from negativity, detaching from the Egyptian way of life and the Egyptian culture and the Egyptian people. And that made it possible for them to attach themselves to Hashem, which was going to take place when they received the Torah. So the first part was to detach from the Egyptians. This was the, the issue of the ten plagues. The ten plagues weren't just a way of taking revenge on the Egyptians and hurting them, but one would ask the question, why did God choose these particular way, ways, these particular methods of hurting the Egyptians? Frogs, turning the water into blood, having lice. I mean, it's strange that of all the possibilities, God chose these strange ways of, of afflicting them. And the way it's explained in, in Hasidic philosophy is that here the point was not just to hurt these people, the Egyptians, but they contained in themselves a certain klipa, the negative energy, a negative force, and that was the main source of the, of the problem. In order for the Jews to be able to connect to Hashem, this klipa, this negative force, had to be destroyed. In fact, it says that the Jews were, have sunk into the 49th degree of that negative klipa. And they had to be extracted from that klipa to be able to connect to God. So first the klipa, this negative force, had to be destroyed, had to be crushed. And being that the negative force contains ten aspects, 
as we explained in many lessons before, that everything in the world is made up of these ten aspects, the ten spheres, the ten aspects. So therefore there have to be ten plagues to destroy every single detail of that negative force, that clip. Once we understand that the different plagues were geared towards destroying different aspects of the clipper. Therefore, we can understand why one had to be affecting the water, one had to be with the frogs, one had to be the lice. In other words, once we understand the nature of the ten aspects, we'll see how these different things in creation relate to and are connected to those ten aspects. So the purpose of the ten plagues was to destroy that clipper. In fact, on the night of the Seder, we go over and we talk about the ten plagues. And there's a part where we take the wine and we pour it into a special dish and we recite the ten plagues. Which means that just like then, the klipa, the negative force of Egypt, was crushed through the ten plagues. Now too, when we say the ten plagues and we pour that wine, we're in a sense activating that same energy of Hashem to destroy the negative force within ourselves personally. Once that negative force is destroyed, then we can make our personal connection to Hashem. There's a story with the Rebbe Rashab, which was the fifth Rebbe of Chabad, that once he had a Hasidic gathering, a Hasidic Fabrengen, and during that Fabrengen, he said, who wants to go on the wagon of Chabad? And he described the wagon in the following way. In the way of life of Chabad, there are actually two parts. One which is called Haskola, which means philosophy. Chabad goes into the deepest depth of mysticism and, and understanding the deepest depth of creation and godliness and the soul. There's another part which is called Avedah, which means where it demands of a person to work on themselves, to refine themselves, their thoughts, speech and action, and to cleanse themselves internally. So the Rebbe said the wagon is decorated with the most beautiful and most brilliant concepts of Hasidic philosophy and the wagon is saturated with the tears and the sweat of the labor that goes into Aveda, the self-refinement. One of the Hasidim who was sitting by that gathering began to cry and he said, Rebbe, where are the steps to your wagon? And the Rebbe said, the wagon has two steps. One step is to get off the ground, and the other step is to get into the wagon. In other words, before a person can make a connection to godliness, they have to step off the ground. They have to detach themselves from materialism. And in proportion to that connection to godliness that they want to make, that's how much they have to detach themselves from being immersed into materialism. So here the Jewish people had to detach themselves from Mitzrayim, from the clip of Mitzrayim, and only then were they able to make that connection to Hashem. And that's the ten plagues that was crushing and destroying the clipper so they can detach. Then came the second stage, which is connecting to Hashem. When did this connection take place? When they received the Torah at Mount Sinai. When they received the Torah at Mount Sinai, it's explained in Hasidus, and we will go in this at, into this at length in the future when we discuss the holiday of Shavuos. It wasn't just a time where Hashem gathered together all the Jewish people and gave them a set of rules, gave them their constitution, so to speak. But it was actually the beginning of a new era. 
something new happened in creation that did not exist before. And that is that godliness descended to the physical realm. And only then was it the beginning of a time where it was possible for there to be a communication and an interaction between the physical realm and the spiritual realm. That by people studying Torah, observing mitzvahs, and doing uh, certain deeds with physical objects, can they in that way connect to God here on the physical realm. As we'll explain the details of this later. But the main point that's important to bring in over here is the fact that then godliness descended to the physical realm in a way that it was never like that before. So in order for this to happen, that the level of godliness, which up until this point was removed from the physical realm, should break through that blockage and descend to the physical realm, what happened was that that concealed world opened up. That curtain, so to speak, that concealment opened up and allowed more light, more godliness to come through, which never came through before. So being that that happened on the spiritual realm, therefore it expressed itself here in the physical realm that the water split. And this is the reason why every single man, woman, and child, and infant was exposed to the highest level of godliness and, uh, godliness and prophecies during the splitting of the sea. This wasn't an additional thing, that in addition to the splitting of the sea, there was also a prophecy there. And we asked before, why was it necessary? This is exactly what happened. The splitting of the sea means that the heavens opened up, and the spiritual realm opened up, the concealed world became revealed, and therefore those aspects of godliness and those dimensions of godliness that are normally concealed and unaccessible became revealed to them. This also explains why in the future redemption, when Mashiach will come and take us out of this exile, once again we'll be going through the water. Because when this time comes, we know there will be a lot of changes in the world. There will be no more wars, no more hatred, no more negative things going on spiritually, physically. But there's one reason and one cause for all the changes. And that is that godliness, God's shechina, God's presence will descend to this world and be revealed here, and then automatically everything will be only positive. But the question is, God's presence already descended when the Torah was given. So we must say that when Mashiach will come and God's presence will descend, it's a higher level of godliness, it's a higher level of God's presence that will descend, more than what came down when the Torah was given. So being that there's a new and a higher level of godliness that has to descend, Therefore, once again, the concealed world that's blocking that light will have to be opened up in order for this light, the higher level of light, to come through. So once again, before the Jewish people will enter Israel, when Mashiach comes, the sea will split as a result of the splitting and the opening of the concealed world to allow the higher level of spiritual godly presence to come down to this physical world. Now this spiritual event repeats itself every year during the holiday of Passover and specifically on the day of Shvi Shapetal, the seventh day of Passover. However, in what way does it affect us practically? In what area of Judaism does it give us specific strength? And the answer is Mesiras Nefesh. It gives us the ability to give up our lives for Hashem. In other words, when this dimension of godliness which is concealed and that is because it's unlimited. 
if the unlimited aspect of godliness is revealed and given to us, then our way of serving God becomes unlimited and unconditional, even to the point of being ready to give up our lives. In fact, that's how the whole miracle of splitting of the sea took place. The Jews were trapped between the Egyptians and the water. They had a command from God to go forward. They didn't know what to do. Then Nachshon ben Aminadav jumped in the water. The water reached his nostrils. And that's when God performed the miracle. Because he was ready to give up his life to follow God's command and God's wish to go forward. And that's what he did. In spite of the fact that he was going into the water. So this is where Jews drew the strength all the ages. When they gave up their lives for Hashem during the time of Hanukkah, Spanish Inquisition, during the times of the Kazakhs. Thank God today we don't live in such a time. What does it mean for us, Messias Nefesh? It means giving up something which is very dear to me because of God. For some people it means giving up money, especially if it's a lot of money. For some people it means giving up an honorable position, a very high position, status. For some people giving up food. Like one person said, how can I be kosher? I'll never be able to eat a cheeseburger again. For some people it means giving up a relationship when there's an intermarriage involved, God forbid. So the time of the year where we get that spiritual strength to give up something which is very dear to me, which is so much part of me, yet give it up because of God, that's on this day.